When I was researching the countries we visit in this episode, I learned a lot. Did you know, for example, that the word Panama actually means many fish? And though the country of Panama is known by most people as the one with the huge canal, the site of Panama City originally was an Indian fishing village. The old city was founded in 1519. Some of our listeners who are obsessed with the Uncharted series of video games may know that in 1595, Sir Francis Drake tried to sack old Panama. He was unsuccessful, but Sir Henry Morgan was not. Morgan's forces completely destroyed the city in 1671. It was rebuilt in 1674, five kilometers southwest of its old site. Today, Panama City is the biggest urban area in all of Panama, home to about 40% of the country's population. It's located just east of the canal, one of the most famous pieces of maritime infrastructure on the planet. It's been named one of the seven wonders of the modern world by the American Society of Civil Engineers. Construction on the canal was started by the French in 1881, but they stopped because of engineering problems resulting in a high death rate. The project was taken over by the United States in 1904 and opened on August 15, 1914. It was not until December 31, 1999 that full control of the canal was given to the Panamanians. Join me as we visit that famous site, starting in Toronto and eventually ending our journey in Bali on Canadians Away. Welcome to the new season of Canadians Away. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and we are so excited to be back in your ears. When I spoke to Lauren Spicer a few months ago, she'd just arrived in Toronto. The COVID-19 pandemic forced a decision for her, her husband, their son, and their soon-to-arrive baby. Ride it out in Bali, as planned, or come home to Canada to deliver her second child. The, the home birth plans in Bali with all of our, our exciting, like villa rented for it and everything were, were slashed entirely by COVID, unfortunately. Is, um, is COVID yeah. a big deal there or? So what happened essentially is the Indonesian government kind of ignored it as much as possible, um, despite the fact that they're one of the number one tourism sites for Chinese tourists. Oh boy. Um, so within within a couple weeks of people starting to report COVID in their in their countries, um, Indonesia, especially Bali, were still letting in cruise ships and planefuls of people, even from Wuhan. So we were starting to go, hmm, this is a bit concerning, but things seem quite normal and okay. Um, we discovered that it seemed quite normal and okay because they weren't testing and they weren't actually doing anything to prevent the spread. Oh um, man. So at this point, they're starting to show some numbers, but in total, they've done less than 2,000 tests in the entire country, and it's like the fifth largest population in the world. Um, and I know in Canada, they're doing 3,000 tests a day. Yeah. So we 
the government kept the Canadian government kept sending emails saying travelers to Indonesia should leave. And we saw that and thought, you know, our, our home is here we have a villa, we have a house, we have our jobs. Um, you know, we'll, we'll wait it out. And then it started saying everyone who is Canadian in Indonesia, get home now. We'll honor healthcare. We'll do everything you need to leave the country. And so that's when I spoke to a few friends in Indonesia and Bali and they said, um, yeah, I think we're, I think we're staying, I think we're leaving and people were sort of not on the fence about it. And so I just, I called um, the OBGYN and said, you know, what are your thoughts? And he said, if anything were to go wrong with your home birth, there's no hospital that would be available to take you. Yeah. I went, Decision made. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we booked a flight and we were packed up and out of our villa in about like 36 hours because they were closing all flights. A lot of the transit points were closing. Wow. So we realized that we probably only had a matter of days to actually vacate. So, that's so pretty here we happy. are. That's pretty yeah. happy. Like I, how crazy. are you, are you feeling okay? Like, are you, I would, I imagine you're a little bit sad to have left your home. Um, you know what? We know that, I mean, thankfully my husband's a teacher, so he's able to do digital learning now. They finally closed the schools in Indonesia hmm. um, and they'll likely be closed right up until the new school year. So we knew that that was okay. We knew that coming back, um, we have someone who's taking care of the house for us back in Bali. We knew that we were covered by suddenly Canadian healthcare. They were offering it to just hand it back to you, despite the fact that we haven't been residents in like nine years. Um, so that was rather comforting. Um, chatting with my three-year-old, trying to sort of go, you know, there've been a lot of changes. We just moved from Panama to Bali this year. How is he going to adjust? And he was like, let's go to Canada. <laughs> like, okay, let's do this. So that wow. was certainly helpful. His enthusiasm has been contagious. Um, and my parents, they just, they vacated their house and went to a friend's place. Their friends are up north at a lake house. So we have two weeks to quarantine somewhere where we won't expose anyone to the like almost 50 hours of travel through airports and things that we've done. Um, right. So yeah, so it's not, it's not too bad. The jet lag was rough, but being able to sort of have this baby in Canada, which I didn't think I would ever do is kind of exciting. <laughs> um, so yeah, now, now I've had to like, oh no, I need like a midwife. I need to figure this stuff out in Canada, which I've never done before. So we're, we're kind of navigating the Canadian healthcare system now. It's funny to hear a Canadian even say that. I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's far less complicated than Panamanian or Indonesian healthcare, that's for sure. Let's go back nine years because yeah. you're back in Canada after a long time being away. And th so this journey begins nine years ago with yeah. Panama, right? <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, even prior to that, when I first met my husband, we, we moved to South Korea for a year to teach English. Um, and that was... My husband was interested in, in getting out of sort of the marketing business world and teaching. And I had just finished a graduate degree in international project management and needed some experience abroad. And that that sort of spurred us to go to Korea originally because it was a, a cheap, fun, simple option to sort of get some international experience. And then fast forward a few years with him finishing teaching degree and us having moved back to Canada for a couple of years and no teaching jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and so I knew I could kind of work more or less anywhere in, in nonprofit work. 
And so we, we decided that we would like to live in Latin America. We kind of just threw it to destiny and he applied to international teaching jobs in the region and was offered a few, um, Panama being the one that seemed the most relevant for my work. So okay. we, moved, we moved there nine years ago now in the hopes that I would be able to just sort of find a job there and he had a secure teaching job. We had our visas and everything secured through the school. Okay. That's so how it began. So you, that's good. Like you kind of got to ride his coattails a little bit, even though you, you know, you've got this international project management thing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we've been doing. That's, I mean, Bali as well. The benefit of him being a teacher at international schools is that they provide you with a visa. They provide you with health insurance. They provide you with housing allowance. So they give you packages that go so far beyond any teacher salary in Canada or the United States. Wow. Um, but they also provide you with all the cushioning to ensure that you can live there quite well, potentially on just one salary. Um, so it's allowed us to be able to live in Panama for that period of time, but also to be able to move to Bali. So your work then, like you said, you're working for not-for-profits, but I assume it's not volunteer work. Like you are getting paid to do these jobs. Yeah, so my work progressed and changed over time. Um, my background's international project management and, and international development. Um, but I also did my yoga certification and nutrition certification over time when we were living in Panama, mostly because the nonprofits that I was finding in Panama weren't always um, as transparent as I wanted or, mm. or much larger nonprofit organizations that were a lot of naturally bureaucratic work that... Um, I wanted to be doing field work. And so I, I actually started working with schools there. And then I started doing consulting and health promotion. And eventually um, I've been doing consulting for retreats, health promotion and project management for anything from small businesses to retreat companies for the past few years, oh. which again has further enabled us to move abroad because I can for the most part work from anywhere. That's incredible. That's great. Tell me about, Panama, because, you know, to me, it's just a canal. Like, I don't know a lot about the country. I know I know there's a hell of a lot more to it than that. But what was it like when you arrived? Was it what you expected? What were you expecting? Um, I think, I mean, interestingly, it's funny, the amount of people who, when we went to Korea, said, have you ever been there? And we went, oh, no, we're just going. And then we were <laughs> moving to Panama and they said, have you ever been there? And we went, oh, no, we're just moving there for a few years. Um, and so I think... I think my my concept of Panama was also the canal and having been to a lot of Caribbean countries and Mexico and things, I think I was anticipating something that was more underdeveloped than it actually is. Yeah. Um, upon arrival, we were so surprised at how modern the city is. Um, people often talk about it as the second Miami and, and it truly is. It's really incredibly modern. Um, when we first arrived, it was still, the traffic was beyond horrendous um the roads were not the greatest there weren't a ton of sidewalks but for the most part it was developing and developing very quickly by the time we left the traffic had gotten at least 50 percent better really? um the sidewalks like i remember when i first had my son it was like why did we buy a stroller exactly and by the time we left like i could go all the way to three different parks on clear perfect sidewalks only to move to Bali, of course, where there are no sidewalks 
but um, yeah, I mean, what's beautiful about Panama is that because it's so narrow, you can literally put your feet in the Pacific Ocean and an hour later have them in the Atlantic. Um, wow. Surfing beaches are amazing. It's it's a small country, but that makes it all the all the easier to travel and explore. No kidding. Mm-hmm. What are the Panamanian people like? I mean, you you come into this country that's it feels underdeveloped. You leave it, and it's like a modern metropolis. Mm-hmm. How did that? Uh, how did that shape the way that people there are? If it did at all, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I think even upon arrival, there was some resistance to expats. Um, less so when we left, but when we when we arrived. The canal had just been given back to Panamanians from the United States. Right. And so, you know, Canadian, American, it doesn't really matter. When they see you, there was some resistance and resentment around a lot of expats coming in and working and finding jobs. And and so you did at the beginning, you, you saw resistance. And I think there is a little bit still left there. But because of the development and how much the country has improved as a result of a lot of foreign investment and expats, people tend to be a lot more open and warm to, um, to the, the expatriates who are living there. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, I mean, we knew a lot of Panamanians and locals and, and I mean, we knew so many people who taught there for a short time and married a Panamanian. And so we, we knew a lot of people who were sort of half Panamanian and had lived in the States or gone to college in the States. It's, it's kind of, it's, a, it's so many people from all over Latin America and North America. You meet people from all over the world all the time. Yeah. And the locals are certainly more comfortable with it now. Okay. And mm-hmm. so it sounds like probably it might've been a little challenging to make friends with some of the locals at first. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think also um, the disparity in Panama, certainly when we first arrived, is pretty intense. There's still a great deal of poverty, and then you see enormous wealth on the other side. Um, And so navigating that is very interesting as well. Um, I mean, you have the luxury of being able to have very affordable childcare and and help in your home and cleaning, but what tends to happen is those people um, are coming in from Nicaragua and, and Guatemala and other countries. Um, and that further frustrates the Panamanians who feel like those jobs should be theirs. So it's the relationship that you have with people often depends on sort of their social standing because you, you come in contact, unfortunately, with some of the more privileged Panamanians um, rather than some of the people who are feeling frustrated and, and angered by them potentially losing jobs to other people. Yeah. Wow. So, so geopolitically, uh, it was the Americans leaving. Sorry, I'm, I'm being mobbed by cat. <laughs> it was the Americans leaving that kind of allowed the country to flourish? To a degree, yeah. I think, I mean, I think for the most part, the, the Panama Canal was owned by the United States. So in order for the Panamanians to really start to thrive, they needed that, that income. Um, mm-hmm. And suddenly the full income was theirs. And so that was a huge, huge impact for them. Um, I mean, the history... With Panama, the United States is tense for sure, yeah, um, and understandably so. So I think that it it's something that just a lot of people have harbored a lot of anger um, from it, feeling like they were occupied for a long time. Um, I think that's depleted a great deal in recent years. Yeah, sure, and and you know, you were you're a North American 
first. Still counts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The word America appears. In yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is something you do get like a little gold star when you say Canadian in a lot of places. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the first assumption is always American. Even in Bali, it's funny, Australians, you'll say like, oh, I'm Canadian. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it doesn't offend me in any way. Yeah. It's okay. I know we sound the same. <laughs> yeah, no but, kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So what uh, what prompted the decision to move on from Panama? Oh, actually, wait, before we even get there, yeah. you had you had a, your son or your daughter? Son. A son, yeah. In yeah, Panama. Panama. Yeah. Um, cool. That was interesting. Navigating <laughs> that was uh, a bit of a challenge, let's say that. He yeah. um, he was born in the hospital. We, we hired a doula who was able to help us, um, who's Canadian. And oh. the, the main reason was because I thought, I mean, one, I would really like to have a doula, but also she's going to be able to help us to navigate that birth experience really, really well, because she'll understand what my limited expectations and knowledge of birth in Canada are, but at least she'll have an idea of what, you know, I would assume is the norm. Um, and she, she was amazing. She led us towards some incredible OBGYN midwives who midwifery is, is not actually legal in Panama. Hmm. Home births are not legal. They, there's one couple who can legally do home births in their own birthing center, but for the most part, they don't allow it. Um, and the hospital situation with birthing there is not fantastic. Cesarean rates are off the charts. Most people opt for cesareans well in advance of um, their due dates. It's just a totally different world. Natural birth is not the norm, for sure. It's funny even speaking to people who they go, oh, when's your due date? When are you having the baby? And you say, well, my due date is you know, around here. And they go, but when are you having the baby? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't predict that. And they're like, oh, you're having a natural birth? <laughs> I'm going, why oh. is this not the norm? This is so strange to me. Interesting. Um, so thankfully, we had doctors who completely supported all of our wishes and were kind enough to um, essentially distract the nurses and a lot of doctors to make sure we got away with things like extended skin to skin and extended cord clamping. And what? like we had to we had to literally like put they put on like a whole show, which I think that hospital nurses are accustomed to with these doctors because they were like, oh, OK, here it goes again. Um <laughs> But yeah, we, we had to, we literally had to sort of meander our way through this very awkward um, birthing scenario where they wanted to take my son away right away. They wanted him in the nursery in an incubator away from me overnight, like things that it was like walking through a maternity ward in 1956. Um, and, and I mean, thankfully we were able to, to fight against that and they were kind enough to make it happen. So, so you was, have... So you had a you had a Panamanian baby. I have a pan, he has a Panamanian passport and everything. We wow. don't use that passport very much, but we have it, which is kind of cool. It's awesome. Is so is he Canadian? He is. Um so he he has a Canadian passport as well. Um you sort of have to apply for citizenship and then they send the passport out, but he he does have a Canadian passport. Currently, interestingly, if he married someone who is not Canadian, and they had children outside of Canada, his kids would not be granted Canadian passports. Really? So they don't offer, yeah, they don't offer children of people not born within the country 
Canadian passports, which we like recently learned. And I went, huh, that's going to be troublesome. But yeah. Now I have to dictate who he marries. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. So, so having a child in Panama was a different experience by the sounds of things. Mm -hmm. What was it like raising a, well, I mean, you're still raising him, but yeah. what, what was it like raising a child in Panama? I mean, one of the big things that people have asked that I think highlights being able to raise a child in Panama quite easily is when people have said sort of, when would you move back to Canada? And I have said, as soon as my kids are old enough that they're not destroying everything around them. <laughs> because being able to have a cleaner four to five days a week, even daily, really inexpensively, mm. and have reliable childcare, like daily, really inexpensively, is something that is so incredibly valuable. That yeah. said, I see my sister with the grandparents nearby and that sort of thing. And that is also incredibly valuable. But um, for the sake of my sanity, the cleaning alone is like the most incredible thing in the entire world. Um, Panama is so safe that you're able to walk around, go to the parks, go to restaurants. I mean, it's very hot generally. But for the most part, I mean, he's he's such a good swimmer. He's three years old and he can swim to the bottom of the pool and get things and dive mm -hmm. down and snorkel because he was always at the beach and always in the pool and running around with friends. And despite being in downtown Panama City was like a crazy little naked jungle baby. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I like love it. I think it's it's awesome. Um he he spoke Spanish. He's still sort of speaking Spanish. Bali has hindered that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's the schools there, the the opportunities for play groups and other expats. It's it's actually a really lovely place to be with kids. That's amazing. And okay, so you, you've got uh, you've got a cleaner who's coming in and and helping look after things at the house for w much less expensively than you would in Canada, probably. Oh yes. Affordable. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you've got this great life. You've got naked jungle baby in, in downtown <laughs> city and you decide to move. What, what, what prompted the decision to move on from Panama? We, there were a few things. One, um, we just, we knew we wanted a second child and we knew we wanted more space and we knew we wanted to live somewhere greener mm -hmm. um, and not be in the city. And for me, for work, that's possible for my husband for work living, you know, a couple hours outside of the city at the beach. It's just not feasible to find a job that's going to be um, paying for much of anything in Panama in the random wilderness. Um, and so we, we had sort of started to entertain the idea just saying, you know, I think we're done with Panama. We're ready to move on. What would we like to do? And my husband said, I would do anything to work at the green school in Bali. Um, which is this incredible project-based, entirely eco-friendly school in the rainforest in Bali, sort of halfway between Ubud in the interior and the beach. Wow. And I said, sure, go for it. Like, <laughs> whatever, it's not going to actually happen. It's like, <laughs> you go for it and we'll, we'll sort it out as it comes. Not that I wasn't supportive, but when you look at the application numbers they have up to a thousand applicants for a single teaching position wow so i'm it's not that i'm not the supportive wife that i would love to be it's just that you're like yeah, okay like you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there um and we had looked at a lot of other locations for him to teach but 
we I think especially if we hadn't had a child already, the options in terms of savings potential and some very interesting spots are much wider. But when you're looking at places like um, Beijing and you look at pollution and quality of life, it's just not something that I was willing to bring our son to. Yeah. Um, and so the the options become smaller and smaller and smaller. And suddenly Bali was becoming, wow, I really hope that this happens. <laughs> um, and sure enough, it did. So we were we were very, very lucky. And I kept using my crazy hippy dippy stuff being like, it's just going to happen. We just have to believe it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And deep down I'm going, Oh shit. is it gonna happen?" <laughs> so thankfully, um, yeah, it came together. And, and that was, that was the catalyst that sort of sent us to Bali. Wow. All that, all that way. Yeah. So a, a hope and a prayer and it all panned out. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. And what is this gr uh, green school like? It sounds pretty remarkable. It's incredible. It's um, it's a massive plot of land, literally among the rainforest. Um, it, all of the buildings are made entirely out of bamboo. It's a hundred percent sustainable. It's all outdoor classrooms. Um, you literally have like creatures crawling around, which is the part I don't love. Um, <laughs> the, like even the playground structures are made of old tires and massive bamboo structures and climbing areas. It, it, they have mud pits for each playground where you can turn on the water and the kids can jump in. Um, wow. It's just, it's, it's absolutely remarkable. Um, my son will start there in August and we've gone to, to visit the preschool classrooms a few times so he can see it and that jungle baby is like searching for critters and I'm just, he's the one who's going to go back to class head to toe covered in mud every yeah. single day. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's all project-based learning. So the students are incredibly hands-on with their education. Um, cool. Yeah. It's kind of unlike anything else. Yeah. And, and I mean, not that you're a trailing spouse, but I mean, it was the impetus was your husband was going to find an opportunity at this school what about uh, prospects for you? I mean, you've got you've got a pretty good range of experience in education that allow you to work anywhere. Was it easy to find a job? So, what's really really interesting? Everyone always talks about Bali being it'll it'll spit you out if you're not meant to be here, hmm. and if you're meant to be here, everything will align. And there's so many spiritual things about Bali and the Hindu religion and the way in which Bali is is centered upon the gods and the way that. <clears throat> this island of the gods will sort of provide, hmm. um, which is all, you know, these lovely things until you get there and you kind of feel the energy of it and go, whoa, there might be something to this. Um, so when we first arrived and, and my husband had the parent-teacher conferences the first week to meet his students' parents, one person said, what does your wife do? Michael said she's project management, background in, in health promotion and yoga She's been running a lot of retreats in Panama and helping people with project management. And he went, can I have a phone number? Are you serious right now? And so I got a phone call from one of the dads um, of his students. And he has a startup that started a few years ago. And it's specifically retreats, um, wellness, and uh, essentially leadership opportunities for, for people worldwide. So they run retreats all over the world, but they also have an online collective for, for members and leaders um, and, and he, yeah, we sat down and had a coffee and he hired me on the spot to be able to do their project management and community engagement for them. So he's in Bali quite a bit, which makes it helpful. But for the most part, I can, I can work 
entirely remotely if I need to. Um, and yeah, Bali didn't spit me out. So that was quite lucky. <laughs> it embraced me. Yeah. And, and you guys have been in Bali for a year about or? Just that we arrived last July. Okay. Yeah. So this was, we were supposed to be there all the way through this baby being born. Of course. Um, yeah, the plan wasn't to come back until sort of summer 2021. Um, but plans change. That's okay. When you say come back, was it to come back and visit or to come back permanently? Just to visit. Um, my husband has signed on for another two-year contract. So That's terrific. We'll be there for three years and then we'll see. Panama was supposed to be two years as well. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, you were there for like eight years, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. we'll play it by ear. So, uh, I mean, I don't know a lot about Bali except where it is and some of the photos I see uh, from folks I follow on like Instagram when they've mm -hmm. been there. It, to me, it's almost like um, the poster child for a tropical paradise vacation, like cabins on stilts in the ocean kind of thing. Mm -hmm. is, is my perception accurate of what Bali is like? Sadly, not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think, I mean, we, we had a relatively good idea of some of the, um, the, the fact versus, versus fiction of Bali before we left after doing some research um, and speaking with people who worked at the school and speaking with people who, strangely enough, we met in Panama like six years ago and have, they've been living in Bali for four years. But we, wow. we arrived really with so many people saying, Bali, it's paradise. It's the best place I've ever been. It's magic. And to get there and to be in the, the areas that are most populated and perhaps the easiest to live in, in terms of amenities, it's chaos. And there are so many tourists and it is, um, the beaches in certain areas just aren't that pretty because they're great surf beaches, but they're touristy. And so when we first arrived, our impression was, I don't get it. <laughs> what's what's the hype all about and then you start to wander outside of those areas um and tourist season dies down and the tourists start to dissipate a little bit life in bali is easy i mean mm. it's something that that the there is still the magic of bali in a lot of places some of that magic has sort of been overtaken by too many amenities and too many tourist facilities and too many little fancy restaurants that are overpriced um but you still see those nooks and crannies of, of beauty, um, the, you know, the extensive rice fields and the local people and the Hindu culture and the, the, like their religion and the way that they adapt their community to that religion is beautiful. And yeah. the ceremonies that they have, all of those things, the traditions that, they, that the local people have held on to are what make it really special. Um, we have a lot more exploring to do, so I think we'll see more of that. Mm -hmm. But it's certainly it's certainly an easy place to live in terms of amenities and and being able to have a big villa with a swimming pool and things that, you know, elsewhere would just be impossible. But you have to it sounds like get past the veneer, the tourist veneer, right? Yeah, you have to get past um, a lot of drunk tourists to see uh. the beauty, I think, is the challenge. Um, a lot of scooters, but coming from <laughs> Panama... The traffic, I mean, you sort of, if I came from Canada to Bali, the traffic would feel so overwhelming. Yeah. Coming from Panama to Bali, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. Um, getting used to being on the back of a scooter every day is a bit strange. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. But you, yeah, you, you get comfortable with that strangely quickly as well. So, yeah, I yeah. imagine so. And now you're stuck in Toronto. Yes, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cold. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So you, your husband's contract has been extended. He's got two years at least. Mm-hmm. Have you guys thought about moving back to Canada or is this kind of the life you want to live with your kids? We've, you know, we, we go back and forth. I think for, for the next while, we know that the life that they're having abroad and being able to embrace these cultures and learn new languages um, and still see family quite often as they're, they're all very happy to travel. Um, we love it. And I think it's great. There are moments, plenty of moments where I've questioned it. Yeah, You know, weeks when my son has had bad weeks because, you know, we've had issues with nannies and I realized that, you know, there's no backup and there's no one that he knows well enough that we would ever feel comfortable to like leave him overnight with someone. Things like that, that as an expat, you sort of have to become accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you always have those moments of guilt where you wonder if you're doing the right thing. And I think at this point we have reassured ourselves that this is what's best in terms of seeing him, you know, surf and explore these places and learn to speak Bahasa and play with local kids and really see just how lucky and privileged he is in in a world that's, you know, full of disparity. Mm -hmm. Um, But we acknowledge that as, as our kids get larger and, and come out of say primary school, that there's going to come a point where they're probably going to want a little bit more foundation and security yeah. In which case, that's when we've sort of said, we'll make a decision as to a forever home. We have to start thinking of a forever home. And we'd really like that forever home to either be Canada or very, very close to Canada. Yeah. Um, so Bali, we would consider Panama. We definitely would consider somewhere in Latin America. Um, we know that Bali is a short term thing because yeah. it's just it's just too far from family. It's a, an awesome adventure and it's very cool. But it's yeah. I think the past week has shown me it's way too far. <laughs> Those flights were not were not awesome. Um, yeah. So so yeah, we'll we sort of reassess every few years and think about what what's best. And I mean, who knows? My son and his like, let's go to Canada. Maybe he's going to tell me that it's time to go and sooner <laughs> rather than later. I don't know. Have this baby, mom, because I'm sick <laughs> yeah. and tired of this place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. What an amazing story and like cool experience. You guys and it's it's not like it's not like you're going with the flow. Like you've been willful about where you want to be, but uh it's it sounds like you feel very lucky about the opportunities you've had. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Super grateful. That's great. And I think, I mean, even right now, just very grateful to <clears throat> to have been able to be in a place where yes, the healthcare system wasn't great, but to be able to come back to have a home to come back to in Canada. I think, I think everyone in the Western world, it's so easy to forget just how, just how privileged and lucky we really are. Yeah, totally. Um, for, for folks who are considering a life like yours, uh, wanting to travel and do work abroad, is there anything that you would want to say to someone like that? Like give them a piece of advice maybe? I think the biggest thing is, um, We've seen people naive enough to just show up. And I think that's fantastic that you have the excitement to just jump on board. But um, I think often we underestimate the risks associated with not having healthcare, not having proper visas, especially when you have kids. 
Um, so take the time to do it correctly. Take the time to make sure you have your paperwork in place um, because the ease of that, once you're actually sort of settling in and knowing that everything is in place and insurance at home, insurance abroad, um, all of those little bureaucratic pieces are so, so important to being able to live a life that is, that is simple, simplified and, and yeah, secure, I suppose. And that's the end of Season 2, Episode 1 of Canadians Away. Thank you so much to Lauren Spicer for speaking with me today. The show is hosted by me, Adam Rosenhart, and produced by Julie Elford. If there are other Canadians living or who have lived abroad that you think have a story to share, have them email us at info at canadiansaway.ca or send us an email yourself and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Canadians Away on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever pods are cast. If you're new to the show or a listener of the previous iteration, The Expats, leave us a review. You can say nice things about us or ask us a question that we may answer on a future show. Five stars are always appreciated. Follow and like us on both Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Canadians Away, and you can find us on Twitter at Canadians Pod. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll hear from another Canadian living abroad in a couple of weeks.